0: You're about to hear a message from our lead pastor, Michael Signorelli. Prepare to go, be one This is right about the point in the service where some of you are thinking, wow, I messed up. It's that kind of church. You know, the visitors at this particular point are like, all right, it's going to be like that. We're going full Pentecostal. They did cartwheels. Somebody was running around like they were lit on fire. I don't know what we are here. We have somebody who's actually on staff at a Catholic church, and she comes to visit here on certain Sundays, and she says, I just need some of that Baptocostal flavor every Sunday. <laughs> I said, I ain't going to tell if you don't tell. <laughs> My name is Mike Signorelli. I'm the lead pastor here at V1 Church, and I have the privilege and the honor of leading all these wild ones. Do we have any wild ones in the house? Oh, man. Evan was right. We're not the kind of clock in, clock out experience here. We let it. You know, like remember back in school, you had those trays that had like a section for that perfectly sliced uh, piece of pizza, and then you had your corn, and then you had your. Was I the only one? Did you guys have that too? And the little, little half pint see v1 see what happens is a lot of people they put jesus in that little compartment and they're like jesus goes there but see this is the kind of church that puts our whole life with jesus in a blender and just lets it go our peas touch our carrots We don't saying we just gurgle it oh this jesus everywhere <laughs> jesus everywhere And we are not good at doing religion and tradition. I mean, look at the way I'm dressed for Easter Sunday. My wife did this to me. I said, Julie, I look like a retired pallbearer. (laughs) I look like resurrected Steve Jobs, all in black, with a striped shirt to make me look thinner from all these Long Island bagels. I'm from Indiana, y'all. We starve out there because all we have is corn. You don't know about that. Oh, man, I love New York, though. I love my New York family. I don't think we made a mistake moving out here, to you? <laughs> well, I'm going to read the Bible to you. Let's start Luke chapter 24. If you've got your Bibles, turn to your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. If you don't have a Bible, you can actually download one by downloading the V1 Church app. And I'm saying that so I can send you push notifications all week long. I'm going to send one this week that says, stop sinning. And people are going to be like, wow, it's prophetic. (laughs) We like to have fun. Oh, man. Luke chapter 24, the road to Emmaus says this. We're going to start with verse 13. And it says, that same day, two of them were walking to the village Emmaus, about seven miles out of Jerusalem. They were deep in conversation, going over all these things that had happened. In the middle of their talk and questions, Jesus came up and walked along with them, but they were not able to recognize him. Now, this right now is not going to be like your traditional Easter message. And the reason why this is not going to be your traditional Easter message is because This is the Easter message for those who heard the resurrection story and yet still don't believe it. So if you're here and your mama brought you, your daddy brought you, maybe your wife brought you and you're like, you know what? I I don't know that I even really believe all that, but I'll go because I got to check it off in my box. Well, guess what? Consider this a divine hijacking of your life and the man in black up front is getting ready to throw you in the proverbial van and take off running, take you right to Jesus today. Your life has been hijacked. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's a hijack. Come on, all y'all, this is sabotage. Come on. I'm just going to go to church, do my time and leave, and God's like, yeah, all right. I love you too much to leave you the way you are. The road to Emmaus You got these two guys, and and, and actually the the context is that these two men were actually disciples. They weren't the original 12, so you may not know them, but they were considered in that group of disciples. Now they are seven and a half, almost eight miles away from Jerusalem. Now that might mean nothing to you if you don't know the Bible, but can I just fill in the context for you? Okay, three people are going to learn today. Can I just fill it in for you? Can I preach to you today? Can I foam at the mouth and spit and climb all over these chairs? (laughs) I love the guy in the back who said, you can do it. (laughs) Here's the context. Jesus specifically told them, I'm going to die, but I'm going to come back three days later, resurrected. And I don't want you to leave Jerusalem because it's actually in Jerusalem that you're going to receive the promise. So for them to be good disciples, they would have stayed in Jerusalem. But if they're anything like the crew that we have here at V1 Church, they might not have believed all of it and started heading seven and a half miles in the wrong direction. And I just want to say, if you're here and you're a part of the Frozen Chosen, the Us For No More religious club, and you think this message isn't for you, can I just tell you, you might be a disciple by title, but you also might be seven and a half miles outside of what God's got for you, too. Can we do like two, two slaps and a hug today? <laughs> so this is for everybody. Say everybody. did not that feel good? That's how we talk in Indiana. So. Let me continue to read. Jesus shows up now. And now this is one of the first things that Jesus actually did after the resurrection was to show up to two disciples who are seven and a half miles in the wrong direction of what he told them to do. Now, if I were Jesus, because I'm Italian, okay, let me tell you how Italians do it. My name is Signorelli. Buongiorno. Give me my Tommy gun. If I were Jesus, I would have came back from the dead, found the centurion soldier that put king of kings over my cross and been like, I'm back. How you like me now? That's how I would have done it. I would have found that Pharisees and Sadducees like, you see all this? <laughs> this is me alive. <laughs> That's how I would have done it because we're about that revenge life. If you got an Italian gene in your body and don't anyone say amen, okay? So Jesus, instead, in his grace and his mercy, he shows up to two men who simply do not believe the resurrection account that they had been told. So if you're here and you don't believe it, can I just tell you, you would have been the first person Jesus was looking for when he was resurrected. Come on. Uh, come on. I mean, you might not be the first person that the pastor calls. You might not be the first person that we schedule to lead worship next week. But you definitely would have been the first person Jesus came running after to say, we're going to have a talk. And that's the Jesus I serve. Does anyone serve that Jesus? Man, you guys can come back next week. We do this every week. You know that, right? All the crew's like, what are we going to do for service? Are you going to ride an elephant onto the stage or something? You know (laughs) I said, we're just going to do what we do every week because it's special because Jesus shows up. Yeah, come on. All right, let me stop, let me stop. It's is going to be a quick three-hour message right now. Yeah. Here's the thing. I had this, I had a dream. I had a dream, and it was not a prophetic dream. It was not a Martin Luther King dream. It was, I wanted to own alpacas. <laughs> if we had a worship leader, that's the worship leader alpaca. <laughs> With the swoop, that's the emo alpaca. <laughs> Lives deep on Long Island, just playing pop punk covers <laughs> in his spare time. And when I was at Indiana University, Bloomington, many years ago, before the advent of smartphones, does anyone remember when you didn't have smartphones? Wasn't in a better place? <laughs> oh my gosh, we're not in a cult. Keep your phone, but. What happened was we used to do this thing that doesn't happen often here in New York, but we used to actually drive our cars for pleasure. We don't do that around here. We drive our cars to go insane. (laughs) But one day in the middle of these country roads, I accidentally turned onto this one road after a couple hours of driving for pleasure with the music cranked up and discovered an alpaca farm, a farm of alpacas. And I did not expect that. That's random. Alpacas are not native to North America. So when I saw it, my first thought was, can you ride those things? And then my second thought was, yes, I've got to own one and ride them in, the, in Indiana University. I'm going to ride an alpaca. You know, you know what I'm saying. And so I started to, have you ever just started Googling something and you get so deep into that Google search that you're like, if anyone finds this, it confirms how crazy I really am. <laughs> That's the thing that should auto delete when we die, our Google search cuz I'm like I live in Queens now and to do this message I'm 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 like Google searching how to purchase alpacas and I'm like you can't ride alpacas in the ghetto <laughs> but my point even saying all this is that I discovered something in my Google search in that alpacas have to be purchased in pairs because they have such an instinctual desire to be in a herd, to be connected to other alpacas, that they literally, this is, this is science, go look this up, die of loneliness if you purchase a single alpaca. Wow. They die of loneliness. Look at that thing. <laughs> will die, will literally dye his hair jet black. <laughs> and just crawl into the corner of my queen's apartment, and just play AFI covers until it dies. Until it dies. That's what alpacas do when you leave, when they're in isolation. And how many of you know that we're all spiritual alpacas today? Why don't you elbow your neighbor and say you're just an emo alpaca? Now, what do I mean by that? OK, here's what I mean by that. Some of us have such an intense desire to be connected with someone else that we would actually receive a lie in order to in turn receive that relationship, then actually walk alone. And can I just submit to you this morning that your atheism may not have been yours it may have been your friends and they gave it to you? Can can I just submit to you right now that maybe some of the things that you think and believe right now are actually the result of you not wanting to be alone than you actually thinking them yourself? And if you're a spiritual alpaca in here, I have to just tell you, you will die if you're alone. But I got a whole church of people here who would like to show you what it's like to roll with our crew. Can I get an amen for that? And you are truly not alone. Is there anyone here who could just say ever since being a part of this thing, they felt a lot less alone? Come on. And that's the whole point to this. We're all emo spiritual alpacas. But if you were in a position in your life and maybe you had a friend or a loved one who transmitted a belief to you that you didn't really believe. Because when I read this story in Luke chapter 24, the road to Emmaus, it makes total sense as a pastor why there were two men walking away from Jerusalem. Because oftentimes, when you're looking for someone to confirm your fear and your doubt, you will find them. Can I just say that again for the people in the back? When you are looking for someone to confirm your fear, your doubt, your anxiety, your apprehensions, your skepticisms, you will always find your spiritual alpaca. And, and see, when I see this picture in Luke 24, two men seven and a half miles away from where Jesus wanted them to be, I see a very clear picture of day two of him in the tomb. And then the one goes, hey, bro, I, I want to talk to you. I just I'm kind of worried, man. I think that Jesus is not going to come back. Like he's been dead for a couple days. and, And honestly, I didn't really picture the Messiah dying on a cross like that anyways. I don't know how much you guys know about the context of Judaism inside of Roman rule, but it was not expected that the Messiah would be like literally murdered on a cross. That was not in their plan. That's when we read it and we say, wow, these guys are so stupid, but it just didn't fit into any narrative that they had been told ever that he would die on a cross and then come back, even though Jesus was trying to communicate it. And so like spiritual alpacas They were transmitting fear and doubt and skepticism. And they said, let's walk away from the promise. Now, let's continue to read. It says this. They stood there long-faced like they had lost their best friend, poor little spiritual alpacas. Then one of them, his name was Cleopas, said, are you the only one in Jerusalem who hasn't heard what's happened during the last few days? He said, No, this is Jesus. I love this. This is mic drop moment. The resurrected king, totally unrecognizable in front of two disciples saying, why don't you tell me what happened? Why don't you just explain to me what happened? And when I wrestled with this, I think it really has to do with the fact that Christians love to make statements, but Jesus loved to ask questions. And maybe you've been turned off to this whole church thing, this whole religious thing, because you've had a lot of statements made to you. But if I know Jesus, he wouldn't try to convince you of anything in this moment right now. Other than the true you, Genesis gives an account that you are actually created in the image of the divine. You look like your real dad and his name is Jesus And, you know, Jesus wasn't really into convincing people by giving them statements. He was uh, more ready to ask a question. And see, the reason why he asked the question is because he said, if I just make statements alone, what would happen is they might be convinced for a little while. But how many, know, if you can be argued into something, you can just as easily be argued out of it. But see, you've got this this deeper voice. I mean, some of you during worship felt a fire burning in your heart. You literally didn't know how to contain what you were feeling, and you wanted to jump into that spiritual water so badly because there's this deeper design, the design of the divine that's screaming out this voice inside of you that's saying, I want to acknowledge that Jesus is who he said he was. And it all starts with a question. What's going on? Let me continue to read. He says, what's happened? They said, the things that happened to Jesus the Nazarene, he was a man of God. Now, now key in with me here as we read these scriptures, they're calling him everything but the Messiah. They're calling him everything but Lord. He says, oh, he was a man of God, a prophet, dynamic in work and word, blessed by both God and the people. So here, let me just tell you like this. If I were to ask you right now, who is Jesus, how would you respond? Who is Jesus? Some of you don't know. This is how they responded. They said, gee, he's a man of God. He was dynamic. That dude could preach. Saw him preach at V1 Church once. It was awesome. It was lit, fam. <laughs> I mean, this is, how they were talking about Jesus to Jesus, and actually it was insulting. They offended him. I mean, they could have, but He's unoffendable. Because he was on a mission to get them back to their destiny. He was on a mission. Some of you have maybe failed to recognize who Jesus really is, and he's not even heard about it. He's just persisting with you today to tell you these things. He said this, and, they, and I love this. These two men said this. They said, and we had our hopes up that he was the one, the one that was about to deliver Israel. Have you ever had your hopes up about something Maybe you're here today and you had your hopes up about church in another season of your life. I mean, maybe you went all in. Maybe you volunteered every Sunday. Maybe you were on every team that they had and you were at every event that they ever had and you had your hopes up. I mean, maybe when Evan got up here and started praying that someone was going to get a divine healing in their neck, there were days where you would have been the one moving it around to make sure that God didn't do it because you had so much faith that he could do anything. That's what these disciples were like. They left their entire life, abandoned everything. And now they find themselves seven and a half miles away from the promise of God in their life. If you're here and you said, man, I used to have a higher hope. I used to have a higher hope that Jesus was going to swoop in and save things. And man, at this point, you're just catching me and my crew, me and my boys, me and girls night out. Used to be a Bible study. Now it don't look like that because our hopes have been dashed. They've just been wrecked by life. That's what these men were. Some of you in this room, maybe you're visiting. Maybe you used to want to be in ministry. Maybe God called you to do something great and serve his house and you just, now you're walking away. But how many of you know that it's just like Jesus to show up and to stop you from sabotaging your own life? These guys, were, they, they were sabotaging their own life, and Jesus said, "April Fools! I'm the one who's getting ready to sabotage because I'm going to disrupt your sabotage. And if you're here today and you're saying may, maybe you've got your spiritually your spiritual alp- alpaca friend who's like, I've got the perfect solution for you, and it's in a form of a pill." I've got the perfect solution for you. It's in the form of this glass that I'm about to pour you right now to make everything go away. And maybe they've taken you seven and a half miles and you've let yourself go seven and a half miles in the wrong direction. I'm here to tell you that Jesus just showed up. It's the ultimate April fools. He's here to remind you who you really are. Yes. You know, in the 80s, they had this uh, milk carton campaign. Any children of the 80s in the house? Am I the only one? Woo, woo, we're getting old. <laughs> whoop woop, you do that and your chest hurts. Oh. <laughs> In the 80s, they had this milk carton campaign that had missing children on it. And, you know, I started to study that campaign out of curiosity, another random Google search, and found that there was actually only one successful rescue as a result of that campaign. And it was a young seven-year-old girl by the name of Bonnie Lohman. And Bonnie Loman was seven years old. She was actually kidnapped, not by a stranger, that's often what we think, but she was kidnapped by her own parent and then taken far away to live another life with another family, with another husband. Now, all these years pass, and, and that happened around the age of three. Now she's seven years old. So, Bonnie, a young Bonnie Loman, a seven year old Bonnie Loman, is now in the grocery store with her stepdad, and they get to the milk section, and there's a, an entire wall of her face. And she's looking at it, and then the stepdad has the audacity. I mean, he is so secure in the fact that he is never going to get caught from this kidnap that he has the audacity to turn to the seven-year-old Bonnie Loman and say, Look, it's you. Isn't that awesome? And she's like, wow, dad, that's awesome. This is so cool. Can we buy a milk carton so we can take it home? And so Bonnie Lohman and the family take this milk carton home. And when they get home, they drink the milk all the way down. And then actually that seven-year-old Bonnie begins to cut that, that picture out that says missing and carries it around with her. Many of you in this room are probably... Thinking to yourself right now, if you're watching online, you're listening to the podcast, like why did she suddenly not freak out and run? Like why did, did Bonnie Loman at seven years old not read the words missing and just get out of that cart as fast as you can? Can I tell you why? She was raised in a family where she was so neglected that at seven years old, she didn't know how to read yet. So all she knew is that there was a picture of her on a milk carton. And if she could have read those words, it could have maybe been different, but thank God she, by, by just divine appointment, she goes to another friend's house to hang out and she brings this cutout of her own face and she leaves it there and the mom looks at it, puts two to two together. She just like grabs the phone, calls local law enforcement and says, I found this girl that's missing. And all of a sudden, all the police pull up to Bonnie Loman's house and rescue her out of there, take her back to her original family. She's now a successful nurse, has an awesome life. And it's a great story. But here's the thing in this moment, in Luke chapter 24, Jesus was only the milk carton. And he was literally trying to communicate to them, you're missing. See, there's a truth, there's a reality greater than the reality that you know. You have another family. See, you think that this is life. You think that this is truth. But there's a greater reality. You're missing. You're missing. And she couldn't read and maybe you can't see it. And right now, you're, everyone around you is worshiping reckless abandon. Everyone around you is shouting the name of Jesus. But you're like, I don't understand. I can't see the size. But it takes some Somebody saying Jesus is at your door right now saying you're missing. You've got a spiritual family who loves you. You've got a father in heaven who loves you and he's here right now. And wants this a rescue operation. And I'll tell you what, V1 Church is always going to be the church that has one foot in the bowels of hell and another one on Long Island. And if we smell like smoke getting dirty, pulling people out of hell, I'd rather do that than be a Pharisee and a Sadducee any day. And if you're here in this place... I feel like you're hearing my voice that this inner voice inside of you is corroborating with. And there's something deep inside of you that's literally crying out. I know he's real. I always knew he was real. I always knew there was a God. Yeah, maybe the religions and traditions I was raised in didn't did line with that voice inside of me. But there's something tangible. There's something real. Come on. And let me tell you this. In Luke chapter 24 as Jesus stands in front of them like a milk carton screaming that you're missing, they still didn't get it, but their hearts burn within them and the scriptures give an account that he actually, that both of them invited Jesus to their house and it was customary inside of the Jewish context that the head of the home would break the bread and serve them the meal. They're still completely unaware of who Jesus is, but they had this sense that he was something more, and Jesus is doing the first Bible study after the resurrection and taking him through scriptures to show him what the Messiah was going to be like, but then all of a sudden this moment happens, and I'm praying right now in this room, I'm praying for those who are watching right now on live stream that this moment happens for you. All of a sudden he begins to break the bread, symbolic of his body that was broken for them. They probably didn't recognize him because only a few days before he looked like a mutilated, chewed up, and spit out piece of meat, and as he he stood before them, the risen king in all of his glory. They probably didn't even have a framework to imagine it. And he begins to break that bread. And as he breaks the bread, his hand slowly stretches out. And all of a sudden, his sleeve reveals a scar that is impossible to heal from, the scar of a crucifixion, the scar of your failures, the scar of your mistakes, the scar of your past, the scar of your shame. Because he said, because I could heal from that cross, you can heal because I can heal you can heal and suddenly their blind eyes are open would just stand to your feet right now would you stand to your feet right now he's here now they did it was when they saw the nail scarred hands when you look at my wife and I this is what it looks like people didn't survive crucifixion. When he went to go serve that bread, those two disciples probably felt like, whoa, we missed it, the king is among us. They said he's got the scars of a crucifixion. Nobody survives that Roman method of murder. When you look at our life, you see a marriage that was only able to be restored by a risen savior. When you look at my wife who lost two babies, We lost two babies through a miscarriage. People don't heal from that. You don't heal from those wounds. Walk around living like you're normal after you go through multiple abusive stepdads like I did. You don't walk around being raised, like you're risen in a home where, where extreme poverty has got you starving before you go to bed. You don't come to Long Island and launch a church when you see a true man and woman of God you're not seeing a perfect person you're seeing somebody who can say when I was faithless he was faithful I said when I was faithless he was faithful you're looking at somebody said if there's a way it's only through Jesus he's the only way he's the only way so I don't know what your story is this morning. I don't know what you're struggling with this morning. But you can heal from scars. You can heal from things that are impossible to heal from. You can have a testimony of God's goodness in your life. And you can say, when I was faithless, when I was seven and a half miles in the wrong direction, he came to me. He came to me. He met me where I was at. He's meeting you right now where you're at. Would you close your eyes? With your eyes closed, you probably figured out already that you don't build a church on Long Island after good graphics and, and good light shows and a good band. And an inspirational word, you build it off of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because it doesn't matter what clothes you got on or how cool you look, it doesn't matter how crafty you are with your words, you preach Jesus, and Jesus always feeds hungry people, and he's feeding hungry people. Today, he's breaking bread, the bread of his very life for you, and He said, if you will be a partaker of this flesh and this blood, you will live forever. And so with your eyes closed, I don't know what you've been through. Maybe you've been through sexual abuse. Maybe you had your hopes up that a man could be a real man. Maybe you had your hopes up at a certain point that you could finally find that person. Maybe you had your hopes up in your business. You're seven and a half miles away in the other direction right now. Maybe this is Jesus saying, It's time to go back to Jerusalem. It's time to go back to the promise. It's time to go back to the thing that I called you to and go all in because everything changes when you say yes completely. If you're here with your eyes closed, this is the greatest miracle that will ever occur in your life. It's when you cross over from death to life. The only reason why Christ died is because we all must die to self. He was a servant leader and he went before us. And the only reason why he resurrected is because he was giving you an example of what you would experience in your own life. When you die to your carnal desires, when you die to your flesh, when you die to your own way and your own will, you will also be resurrected in the same place you were crucified. And the people who saw you go down, the people who saw you go under, the people who saw you fail, they will also see you run Rise up and do all that God's called you to do with your life. That's the message of the risen king today for you. And so, if you're here with your eyes closed and you're saying, everything is in me, that voice within me is crying out saying, I want to be connected with God, would you just boldly lift your hand right now? Just boldly put your hand up and say, I want to receive Jesus. Come on. So many hands in this place from the front to the back and when you raise your hand that's the only thing that you had to do now that you did your part get ready for god to do his part he's just looking for willing obedient people it's so you can put your hands down if you're here, this is a second call. This is a second call. If you're here and you used to be a believer, I mean, you used to be all in. I mean, you, you used to want to go all in on the things of God and, and now you found yourself seven and a half miles away from Jerusalem, away from the promise and you want to rededicate your life to Christ right now. Would you just lift your hand and say, that's me, I want to rededicate my life. Awesome. Come on, there's so many people. You are not alone. You're not alone with your spiritual alpacas. Today, you can put your hand down. There's just such a shift that happened in this room and in your life. And for those of you listening, there's a shift. Can you feel it in the atmosphere? Something's literally breaking over your life right now. Something is literally changing in your life right now. It's happening now. You see, you take care of God's business. He takes care of your business. What we're going to do right now is we're going to lift up a prayer. I'm going to let you borrow my words and after we say amen I want this place to erupt with praise because it says the Bible gives account that even when one soul comes into the kingdom that the angels of heaven begin to explode with worship and they begin to celebrate and so there's going to be, we're going to have a party. We're going to close this thing out on a party. Can we do that? So we're going to just pray this prayer all of us together and then we're just going to just give God worship. So everyone just say with me, Heavenly Father, I receive you now as my Savior. Wash me clean. Forgive my sins. Make me new. I dedicate my life to you and your will. I get out of the way so that you can have your way. Today is a new beginning, and I celebrate the resurrection Because I'm alive through you in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone shouted. Come on. Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click Give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.